welcome to the Mythology Marksmanship Podcast. I'm Morgan King, and I am here with Brady Allenson and Paul Higley, and we are on the way home from the um, Short Action Customs Blue Ridge Rumble um, PRS match that was in Benj, Washington um, this past weekend, and we got we got a bit of a drive ahead of us. About halfway done, almost. Yeah, getting close. Pretty. Yeah, I guess it's been halfway. So, and it's a nine and a half, yeah. nine-hour drive basically to where we picked Brady up, and then we have a half hour, and Brady has an hour and a half past that. So, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be up late. It's nine thirty right now, and yeah, we got we got a ways to go. So, but we're gonna talk. We kind of want to talk about. Some of the things that we learned this weekend, and some of the stages, and some of the fun things that we did, and some of our observations. So, um, this match was put on by Sean. What's Sean's Johnson? Sean Johnson. Um, he did a great job. It's it's on a ranch or a farm. I don't. Yeah, it's on a farm there. Uh, I think they farm with quite a bit of wheat, or at least most everything around there is all wheat. So it's, and it's these, like, it's kind of this hilly rolling hills. And as far as you can see, pretty much, yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's, it's not flat country, but it's not mountainous. It's just these, like, kind of rolling hills of just wheat. Um, and there was a stubble, most of what we shot on. It wasn't like there was any, uh, tall grass or anything like that. It was just, wet dirt because it'd been raining and then it, it actually rained today it rained pretty good on us yeah. we got wet and but it was a good time um well it, we're gonna go through and talk about day one some of our observations and where we where all three of us were and then we'll talk about how it ended up um finishing up but we had a great squad this weekend we shot with uh, some really new shooters. One that was his first match, and then we shot with some guys that that we knew really well and that are really good shooters. So, yeah, I. What do you uh, think of the match, Paul? I thought it was a well-rounded match. Um, first stage, I had my doubts. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody on that stage. Oh, we had a floating platform. You shot two positions off the platform. One kneeling in the on the ground and rifle on the platform for three shots. Completely on the platform with gun and gear for three shots. And then he had a strap about three feet above the platform that you could shoot kneeling or standing on the platform. Uh, I only seen one guy get two hits off of that, and I still don't know how he did it. But uh, some chose not to even shoot off the strap. <laughs> I think only one guy did that. <laughs> I mean, it didn't matter because you weren't it, essentially you weren't going to get the points. It was, um, yeah, it was one of those stages where you, you just didn't expect it. A, a six was a clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So why don't you? Uh, Explain what a floating platform is. What a... Explain what? What a floating platform is. 
Okay, it's uh, supported by four chains. You get on it, it moves around on you. Uh, it's got four posts that are in the ground with the chains hooked to this old piece of plywood with a metal frame on it. So it's designed, I guess, to make you feel like you're in a boat. Yeah, they called it the Captain Phillips stage. Yeah. And it this one was, yeah, it's just like, kind of like a bench that, I mean, you just have a, uh, basically it's a full sheet of plywood with a frame it's and it's suspended um, 18 inches off the ground by chains, by four chains on each corner. But man, it's, they're, they're kind of, especially with this one where it had bungee cords to spring yeah. it back so it's always moving. It was really tough, and it wasn't too bad on top of it when you were on top of it, but man, when you got up, they had that, that what was it, like those tie-down straps that's like three-inch, three-inch yeah. tie-down strap. <laughs> that just um, swung with you? Yeah, the tie, it was tied across between the two support poles, and it was like, I, I mean, when I got on there, I was wobbling from the top of the hill to the bottom hill, yeah, was, and I got it to settle um, and when I mean settle, I settled it to two mil wobble and tried to break it as it was crossing the plate. And I scared the crap out of the plate three times, but just scared it. Didn't touch it. Yeah. Uh, and they I were luck. Yeah. Those were three. Luck they, they were. So basically you're, you were, you were supposed to get your six points, the six, the first six, then you were good. I didn't see my first shot. Good. Uh, his first shot of the weekend. And it was just a little bit of a bounce to it and so I didn't see it real well and I couldn't tell which side of the plate I was on and um, missed the next shot saw where I missed and then hit the last um, the next four shots and got a five and and uh, got up on that strap and then yeah and then I got off of there and when I got off of there uh, I, bas I basically said six is a clean boys and everybody knew that uh, and then if you got a point, like if you hit one of the strap points, that was just a bonus. Yeah. That's all that was. That was just a bonus. There was only a few people that hit it all weekend. Yeah. Like there was a lot of shots at it and hardly any hits. Yeah. You know, I got a little humor out of when everybody got up. I thought it was a waste of time, but I shot anyway. Uh, but everybody put their bag on that strap. <laughs> I did. I just out of like normality of what we usually do, it made no difference. It, it, not at all. It was a cloth strap, and I just, you know, I, I just chuckled every time. And everybody I watched put that bag on that strap. But anyway, after that uh, stage, it, it got nothing but better. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only, to me, that was the only really just stage that I thought was dumb and it really wasn't it the stage wasn't dumb i thought it was a good stage but it would have been a really good stage if he would have been like if he'd have made it 12 rounds and went well, two 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 get on the thing two 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 then it's a good stage yeah. in my mind yeah i agree um so because you could the first three you did it from from kneeling or however you want it with your with your body off of the platform so you could use a tag table rear or you could lean up into it and use my bottom bag which is end up 
we let Brady tell us that the that the uh, yeah. tack, tack table, table wasn't the way to, yeah it wasn't the way to go. But it worked. It, it, yeah, it was demoralizing to start because because you, you start with um, you know I dropped four points on that stage and I and that was four and I only dropped nine all weekend and four of them were on that stage so that shows you that how impractical those shots were in the context of the the rest of the match now there was a lot of still some tough stages honestly it was tough it ended up being tougher than I thought it was going to be especially um, looking at it and stuff but we had uh, pretty much a sustained 12 mile an hour wind all weekend it would pick up some and let off some but average wind I think the whole weekend was 12 miles an hour um, and we shot about 270 degrees. Yeah. Uh, we shot from northwest all the way around to uh, southeast. south, southeast to southwest almost. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so, it, yeah, basically we're only missing about another 90 degrees. Shooting directly west, I guess, is the only way we can yep, that's shoot, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. It's kind of cool because it was situated up on the top of this hill, and you just shot the state the the stages around the top of this kind of knoll down into some fields. That I mean, I say fields, but they're hills that are farmed. So I mean, I'd hate to be the guy driving the tractor across those things because I'd be puckering the whole time. <laughs> some steep hills. Well, I know it's like down. steep, and you can see the rows across it where they drove parallel to the grade. Or, or I mean, perpendicular to the to the hillside, so you know that the whole time they're just kind of like canted over to the side, just kind of just clenching their cheeks all the way across the top of that thing, leaving the door open in case they got to jump out. Yeah, just in case the upwind, the, the uphill side of the deal. Yeah, that would not be fun. No, looked challenging to me too. So, <laughs> yeah, the the thing I was. Uh, we either had a headwind or a tailwind. You know, that, we had a crosswind a couple of stages, but not many. But not, yeah, one or one or two stages. Majority was you know at eleven o'clock, one o'clock, about as far as a, either headwind or tailwind. So that got a little tricky sometimes. Yeah, but uh, it was sustained wind. Um, yeah, it wasn't terrible. I thought it was going to be worse. I was thinking. I'd heard somebody say, yeah, t- tomorrow or s- Saturday afternoon was supposed to be, this was on Friday, I think, I can't remember, but somebody was saying wind average was supposed to average 18 and get all the way up to 25. And it never got that bad. I think the highest I saw on my Kestrel was 16, but that didn't hold really at all, I don't think. Like you said, it was pretty well average 12 all weekend. We did get about three hours of rain today. Yeah, yeah and it, it, was, rained it rained a decent amount, too, because yeah. it got everything soaked. I busted out my rain gear. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I was glad to have, because... If you the Northwest, you better have rain gear. <laughs> yeah, especially Washington. I mean, it's yeah. notorious for rain. Yep. Yeah. Which, I don't know. So, let's talk about headwind, crosswind. What do you... Uh, what would you prefer... Brady, let's start with you. What would you prefer to shoot in, a headwind or a crosswind? Crosswind all day long. Why? Because it takes 
three times as much wind direction change to change you as much as a head or tailwind does. Maybe not three times, but a lot more of a change in a crosswind. Whereas a headwind or a tailwind, that little bit of, you go from a six o'clock to a 6.30 or a seven, your wind is quadruple what it was before. And it can switch back and forth a lot easier from there, it seems like. Yeah, I agree. And a sustained crosswind's just easier to read for sure too, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't get that direction change. Like, you don't get a complete right to left to left to right yeah. with, a, with a crosswind, generally. Like, yeah, pretty rare. Yeah, you're, you're always going to get that little fishtail or whatever. But, but when you change from 3 o'clock to 2 o'clock, yeah. that doesn't hardly change your wind value at all. You'll probably still catch the plate. Yeah, and I mean, maybe it gusts from 8 to 12 miles an hour. But in a full, but but in either way, you're that that's no going from an eight to a twelve full value is nowhere near what it's like going from a one to a to a eleven thirty. Yeah, I mean that that one to eleven thirty, um, it, it changes you so much more. Push you off the plate real quick. Oh yeah. What about you, Paul? Yeah, I I like the full value. Yeah. If I had my druthers, I think uh, one thirty was about about as much full value as I shot all weekend. Oh, really? I shot some two thirty. Did you? Well, yeah. Maybe that's today, why I missed I so much. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of it, though. No, there wasn't. There. I mean, it got that way, especially on some of them ones. Uh, we had some stages that you shot. Um, a couple of troop lines or we, we shot a diamond and a diamond big small off these big old tractor tires you went big small big small big small and none of the targets this weekend were super small we had one two tenth target all weekend but I would say average target size is probably six tenths we we had we had a couple that were smaller like on some of the troop lines they would start at six tenths and six or seven and go to like four yeah um, out their ways, and then there were some that were like, you know, you, we had one stage that went from six to quarter, and then we had one that went a half to two. Yeah. Um, but like most of like the positional stages were right at half mil. So I I still think though because of some of the there was a couple targets that were that were bigger that it probably averaged half mil to six tenths. So it wasn't a hard match as far as target size go but since you were dealing with this this headwind that was switching it on and stuff it would it would it cause you to miss if you really weren't paying attention to some of those little things like like vegetation and dust and mirage and things like that yeah yeah or just poppers there was a quite a few poppers poppers are hard to read yeah i felt like that was good i mean if you didn't see where you're hitting on the plate push you off real easy if you're hitting the edges that would be today what do you think makes poppers so difficult to read you don't get the left or right like today on one of the stages i was hitting the left side and i they looked centered to me the plates kind of leaning forward and i think i just i just straight up couldn't see it it was also raining but i was thinking i was center and then all of a sudden i had one go left and i was like man that really and then i actually I don't think I changed my hold because I thought they were fine. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I cleaned the rest of the stage, so I'm not 100% sure. But I was told I was hitting the left side and then was center after that. But yeah, it's just hard to read 
because there's no it's attached to the t-post there's no left lateral movement i guess you'd say at all so it's if you hit the left or right side i mean you can see it through a spotter because i had watched multiple people do it before then but i when i got up there i mean i could not tell that i was hitting the left side which some guys can you can you read them real good but no they're still the hardest plate to read yeah what about you paul yeah, it's it's tough to read those. Um, you get a lot of action out of them as far as flopping, but the, you, there's no swing left or right. Uh, yeah. So you can see, you know, you, on a hanger, you hit it in the center. It's pretty obvious. Even if you don't see the bullet hit, you you can pretty much, pretty much tell. Yeah. But poppers hard to read. Yeah. We had some skyline poppers too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's quite a few targets. Yeah. So, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you can get on JC Still Targets website and look at the targets we're shooting at. They're they're these um, T post poppers, I think is what he calls them, and uh, they're basically they go right over the top of it. Uh, they got a sleeve that goes right over the top of the T post. They're super easy to put on, and they're spring loaded. And they're a solid piece of um, steel that goes up into like a lollipop or a square or like a little Ipsic popper. And basically when you hit it, it moves. The springs will let it move like backwards, but it can't move side to side. It has to move. It basically, if you hit it on the left left edge, you're just going to, it's going to move straight back like you hit it dead center. And so that you don't have the forgiveness uh, that you have. Um, on say a T-post hanger that has a it's a T-post hook with that um, that the uh, target goes over the hook and then has a hole in it and then it ha- it allows it to have some left and right action to it and same with like strap hangers or chains or anything like that there can be some movement well on these on a popper you have to really pay attention to splash or seeing the spot on the steel and like seeing exactly where it hits it or or in some cases you might be able to see a little bit of um, trace at the apex i know i talk about not being able to see trace but like but there is certain cases where you might have to be able to see now are you going to be able to rely on trace no and so and you're not going to be able to watch trace down into a target that's just not realistic and I don't think you should be looking for it at all, but it's the last resort on something like that. That if you can see something, whatever it is, you use it. And so sometimes you might have to, not have to see it, but if you do see something, don't be afraid to use it on something on a target like that. Um, but most of the time what I use is the splash from the bullet, either seeing where the bullet hits and where it makes a new mark on the steel, or I look for that splash. It looks like it looks like a little puff of smoke where it hits, and you'll either see that smoke carry across the target, and if if it carries quite a ways across the target, you know you probably hit it upwind. And if it doesn't, if it just barely, you just see it poof a little splash, then you probably hit it downwind. Or if you see equals parts of that splash go off both sides, probably hit it in the middle. Just little things like that that you can do, but I I don't know about you guys, but most of the time when I see those, because those those targets are generally leaned forward a little bit sometimes, 
I always, because of that, and there was one RO that was watching, and he was always saying, "You're, you were low, you were, you know, on the steel." Because I always see that because they're tipped forward, and I see the splash go out so much out the bottom of the plate that I feel like that I'm low on the plate. But man, I'm I usually and they try do to look low. Yeah, they it looks the low. The plate flips back, and you see where your bullet actually hit. If you can see it, it's almost always. Not always, but I mean, it's generally pretty close, especially on a decent sized popper. You'll figure it out. Yeah, but when you see all that splash go look, go out the bottom side yeah, of the target, it does look you low just you just immediately time. go, "Man, I'm low." But then you watch it go in there, and it hits right in the middle, and then splashes low. Yeah. Yeah, deflection uh, can be deceiving. Oh yeah. Definitely can deceive you. That's that's one of the things where if you guys have the opportunity, as far as because people ask me all the time, what do you do to practice to be to get better? And that's another thing that maybe if you only have say uh, a, if you have a place that you can practice right and and you could, I I and ideally it's not a bad idea to have a popper at least one of your ranges you know just just yeah just you can practice on it every now and again and put some rounds on it so you can get used to seeing what it looks like when you hit a popper because it because it it's it is one of the hardest um plates to read i mean and they're very popular they are because they're reliable as heck like yeah you don't deal with target failure target failures with them almost ever no, no, you don't deal with any, any, uh, well, you, they can fail, but it's yeah. not very often. They're pretty dang good. Most of the time you shoot the, the T-post hanger, or the T-post in half before you ever bust yeah. the, yeah. um, popper. And it sure, when, when the T-post is, uh, you gotta be dialed, what, a mil and a half low to be able to hit yeah. the T-post because they're so, that was, that's part of what makes them so tough is it keeps the plate way above the t-post yep. where on a t-post hanger you can you can chew through a t-post fairly regular because uh you don't it doesn't take much low or you take you to be very far low to be able to start hitting that t-post every now and again. and the plates just smacking against the t-post the whole time too. yep yep and you know you bring that up that's another thing about a popper is they're about four or five feet off the ground yeah. yep from yep. the top, yeah. So the when the you do miss, your your bullet's hitting back there 100, 150 yards. And if it's in a flat, if it's in flat ground, most right. of the ones this weekend were either skylined and it really was ways back there, <laughs> yeah. or it was it had a pretty good like it was on a hillside, so it was like you know Not you're you're seven yards back, so you could trust your elevation basically off of where you hit too, right? And you could trust your windage. They are fun, though. That card stage, I thought, was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, the card stages are third to last stage. Um, but overall, I day one, I I really thought there was, like, on this, like, we've talked about throwaway, what we consider throwaway stages, stages that don't stress you on more than one of the, I don't know, four main stressors which is time, target size, uh, movement, uh, position, which time, movements in time, 
I would think. And then you got position and uh, complication, being older and stuff like that. Um, if if all you only got one thing, like uh, you want to talk about, or if they don't have anything, or they don't even have one of them, but they only have like half of one. That's going to be your throwaway stage. Like we had a stage where there was going to be a cargo net, but the cargo net not ended up not put, being put up. And it was an eight tenth wide target at 440 yards today. It was our second to last stage. And you shot off three, uh, two barrels, one barrel standing up, one barrel laying down away from you. And then a big old tractor tire. And basically you bipod and bag the whole thing. And the position wasn't too tough at all. The tar, the, you had two minutes to do it in nine rounds. You went three rounds at, at it, so there was no complication to it. The position was fairly easy, but that would be the only thing you could say you had a half a half a stressor on. Yeah. The target that would have been a little bit smaller target, it would have been just fine. Yeah, I, I think they needed a like a big, middle, small. Yeah, that would have been Like if they had yeah. the eight-tenth, they could have had the eight leave that. Then yeah. a half mil and then a three-tenth. Yeah. All of a sudden, that stage is a great stage. Yeah. Now, if the cargo net was there like it was supposed to be, and we shot cross. off a cargo net, and you had to stay up on there, it would have been actually a really good stage. Yeah, no, I agree. Because it wouldn't have, it wouldn't what? have been impractical. It was appropriately sized for that. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden, they would have been stressing you on position and target size, yeah. essentially, because because the target would have been appropriate for for the position, and maybe maybe complication because of figuring out how to do it but uh i think that's but where you have that one and it ended up being not much of a stressor where the the one before was a good stage because target size was a stressor yeah and complication was a stressor you had to pay attention to the order in which you shot them because like he was talking about our card stage you flipped over a board and it had cards stapled to it and you had to shoot shoot the target um um, hard, um, hard diamond spade or club that corresponded with the tar with the uh, with a board. You had to shoot the corresponding target left to right on the board, but it wasn't left to right on the targets. It could yeah. have been middle, middle left, left, middle right, right. Could have been the order. Who knows? But you just basically yeah, just shot whatever card you were on, and then you went and flipped another one over and another one over. You so you had three different orders uh and there was four different boards there that you could end up flipping over and getting those orders and it was the order ended up you just had to make sure you were paying attention to what you were shooting at or you could shoot out of order and but the position was easy but the target size was appropriate now wind obviously can come along and make that harder but that's one that you can't control so i still think as a as someone that's say designing a stage you should think about it um a lot of the stages in that context um and that's how you create your separators they say but separator shots i think is a better way to think of it you know kind of like to done the the uh like we're talking about the barrel stage the two barrels and a, and a tractor tire at that that close easy target it would have been a really good stage if you had had a couple it would have been big so you can see it or you can you know that's going to give everybody an opportunity to get some points and then it gets people another opportunity it gets progressively harder as it goes so that's just one idea 
but that that was one that you could call you know if that got thrown out nobody wouldn't change the outcome of the match no. um but yeah there wasn't a lot of those stages like i thought going into this because last year i heard that it was kind of a meatball match and so i don't i don't know you guys probably heard the same thing yeah um but this year it wasn't quite as quite that way like i like i yes i only thought it was my first time ever dropping it um, single digits on a two-day match, so I was nine points down. Um, but I didn't feel like it was overly easy. Like I feel like I I really got by some pretty tough stages, like the mover yeah. stage. Yeah. Hey, you only dropped one on that. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was a tough stage. Yeah. What made it tough? You panned. How far do you think you panned? Thirty degrees. Yeah. Forty maybe. Something like that. It was just a stack of tires and a wobbly barrel. Yeah. I, I, like, and it, like, that position was not easy. No, it definitely was not ideal. Either one. I mean, the tire was better than the top of the barrel for me, which I I had some, I'd use, well, most of us use tripod rear, and I just had some issues with the tripod, so I timed out. But the targets weren't huge. The wind was different from left to the right target. And then there was a mover as well, so... And that, that was the one with that smallest yeah. target of the weekend, right? The two-tenth yeah. wide yeah. head. Yeah. Hostage yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. It was weird because you had to go uh, – so you had to you had to shoot left head, middle head, which the middle head was the mover. It was, a, it was like a six-tenth to a half-mil wide mover at 400 yards, and you had to shoot it – I mean, we're positional, right? Yeah. And then, and then you had to go to the right head. So you went that first right off the bat, like thirty-five degree pan. You had to do that, and then come back down, and then shoot two uh, um, bad guys on a hostage KYL. You had to shoot the two guys behind a hostage, and and the the one was really small. It was like three tenths on one, and then two tenths on the other. I mean, they were small, and so you had to do that, and then move, and then do it again. So you went left head. Um, mover head, right head, and then you had to go um, KYL. Well, the whatever the hostage rack, the, you had to shoot the two bad guys on the hostage rack, move, and, and so yeah, you're ten rounds, but pretty complicated in the order. I mean, it was a tough stage. Yeah, the the rack was basically half heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they had a blue head in front of it that you weren't supposed to hit. And yep. if you hit that, then you didn't get the point. So, Yeah. You didn't lose points for killing a hostage, but you didn't get any. Right. <laughs> and in all of that, you went through it once, and then you moved positions. And had to do it again, yeah. And there was enough choices that you could you could really hang yourself on the positions. Oh, yeah. I, was, there had to have been, what, eight or ten tires. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Eight or ten tires with a barrel in the middle. It was, yeah, wasn't the most solid situation, but and uh, it was uh, lined up skewed to the targets, so a tripod would really get you put into the tires. Yeah. So you had to put the leg more towards the barrel if you're using a tripod, or or you get hung up there too, or end up on two legs. It, it was 
those uh, heart positions. Yeah. Yeah. I'd shoot it different if I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people thought that. I shot first. I was first on that. And going first on that stage, I don't know if it really mattered. But I just was, I mean, because it was, it was just a tough stage. And when I got a nine, it's not very often that I drop a point and go, man, that was pretty good. Yeah. But that's one I, I thought, man, that'll work. I'll take that. You know? Yeah, that was a good score on, on that stage. Yeah, I'm sure there were some people that cleaned it, maybe one or two throughout the day. But I don't think there was many guys that cleaned that stage. Nobody, nobody in our squad's cleaned it. No. Not one. And that was that was out of you, me, Paul, uh, Jake Vibbert, John Pinch, uh, Jacob Denny. We had some good shooters on our squad, and not one of us um, cleaned it. Jake got an eight. I got a nine. John got a seven or an eight. I think he got an eight. He got an eight. One. Okay. I don't know. So it was it was tough. It was real tough. But it was but it but that's that was a good one because. I thought it was a really good stage. It might have been a smidge out of place in in that course of fire. Well, not out of place, but but uh, it was definitely a a significantly harder stage than some of the other ones throughout the day. There is a troop line, a bottle troop line, which you went near near to far on these bottles from like three something to six something. Yeah. It was like six. Three twenty five to six twenty five or something. Yeah, like three twenty five six twenty five. Uh, off of a modified prone position, but you know the, the far one was pretty small, so that I mean that was a good stage. There was it was fairly well um, rounded both days, but like I say, it was a uh, you know that I think there was a few guys that just shot that horse fire really well. Yeah, you know, and so it, um, but the scores up at the top were not were were fairly spread out. It was not like there was a bunch of people piled. Um, until you got down in the middle, which you expected yeah. about any match, um, scores to start piling up. Yeah, congratulations, Morgan, on the win, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Morgan tore it up this weekend. Morgan and Nick both freaking lit the world on fire. Yeah, Nick Gadarzy, he uh, he he made me work for it, that's for sure. I don't he see was, Morgan nervous very often. I think he was a little worried about it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Not if worried, but you knew you had to shoot real good to stay there yeah well he you know after day one i mean nick nick Gadarzi's a dang good shooter and uh i'll be honest after we got done and i was down six on day one and that's that's including those those three um bonus points that, off that the i strap, off, yeah, the strap, off the strap you know so i i essentially i mean i dropped one other one on that stage so i but outside of that one stage i dropped four on the on the on the floating platform, and then I dropped two points the rest of the day, and then uh, so I'm down six points. And I thought I'm, there's probably a good chance I'm in the lead here, and then uh, John um, he's walking around talking. And usually I know, but I really wasn't that worried. I kind of thought I was probably in the lead, and all of a sudden uh, John tells me Nick's got me by one point, and I go, "Dang, he shot good." Uh, so. Then I, th- but I'm like, well, that's all right. I'll just come back, do my thing, next day, and see what happens. And uh, I knew I better, I better shoot good. And I cleaned the first five stages, I think. No, first four stages, 
and then I of the day and then I dropped one on a pretty dang hard stage again uh, and Nick I heard had dropped three on it so I knew I had him by one coming out of that stage and so I better just keep shooting good and I uh, I ended up dropping two more on than that but I I knew that he dropped one on another one so I said I knew I at least had tied him um, by the time we were done with the day so I ended up getting him by one but yeah like Brady said like uh, I was I was definitely working for it I put my head down and figured yeah. you know what I'm gonna grind this out see what happens and I shot pretty good today only dropped three today and uh, end up doing it but I could I smelt a little bit of blood in the water there after uh, after that there was a long troop line on these pigs that went from I think you started at five something and finished at 990 and uh, it was just near to far on this little array of pigs um, and the far pig was only about uh, what is it two and a half three tenths tall yeah uh, it wasn't very tall it was fairly four wide tenths wide oh is that all it was four, it was four or five maybe oh really yeah it wasn't that wide it wasn't very big no I think they were the same size pig all the way out so it was a fairly big oh, pig up front yeah. and then went it shrunk at least that's what no, you're probably right now. Think Jake back was to saying, it. and I think Jake probably cut the targets. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, that I knew after I I I did that, I roll over and they're like, "That's a good score." I'm like, "I think I should have claimed it because I dropped last point, you know, on that stage." Just kind of went underneath his head, a little upwind, but a little bit low, and they're like, "That's a good score." I'm like, "Ah, I should have claimed it." And they're like, well, only one guy has. And I was like, oh, who, Jake, or who, Nick? And they're like, no, Nick, Nick got a seven. And I was like, and right there I did all the math in my head. And <laughs> I started sniffing iron in the blood. And then I just, that, after that, I was, I kind of just put my head down and figured I better finish up. That was fun. Yeah. Yep, good job, Morgan. Yeah, thanks. It was, it was fun. It's People ask me all the time if it gets old, and it really doesn't. Because, <laughs> uh, you know what? It's hard every time. Yeah. So, especially when you're shooting against, like, Nick shot real good. Really good. I, there was a lot of guys that shot real good this weekend. John shot super good. I know he wasn't stoked on himself, but he shot way good. Yeah, he only shot, he only dropped three points today as well. Yeah. Uh, yesterday he dropped nine so yeah. yeah nine and three each down 12 total that's good I mean I, I I mean there was a lot of points where you dang sure could have missed I mean you had to be paying attention to that headwind oh yeah yeah but no it was good it, it was worked a fun out match. yep definitely a fun match definitely one that uh well, I'm going to be living up here anyways. So I'm, going to have to be go, sure. I'm going to have to be coming back to it, so I'm glad I liked it. So, um, But, yeah, I don't know. what. So what did you end up, uh, Paul, what, what did you end up taking away from this weekend? Uh, I played scientist this weekend, I feel. I, I switched calibers. Uh, I've been shooting a dasher for oh, about three years. And I've 
I found out that I've been cheating a little. Uh, that dasher's got an easy button on it. Yep. I uh, I done really good on the prone stages, uh, modified prone stages. But when it come to one bag, I that six five creep more handled me instead of me handling it. So. You know, I'd clean a stage and get a four. I'd clean a stage and get a four. Uh, it was it was a rough weekend for me. I I was a little disgruntled, uh, but I'll figure it out. In fact, I already have. I'm going back to the dasher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've already I've already told you you can have my barrel. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> oh shoot! But win some, lose some. Um, it was a good learning experience, but yeah, I, uh, I need to get back into the recoil management is what I took away from it this weekend. Yep. I thought my gun was all over, but, uh, I really think it was me. Yeah. Uh, cause there's just no rhyme or reason to it. You know, when I, when I'm all over the place and then I go shoot another stage, hit dead center on every one of them and, and clean it. Can't be the gun. So, in short, that's that's what I took away from this weekend. Yeah. So, I what? think that uh, you know a dasher, you can you can handle it pretty well, and you can keep your shoulder away from it, but you cannot cheat a creek one. No, you can't. So, nope. And every time I did it right it shot right but when i let that you know there was there was too much bang for the buck i guess <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny or too much buck for the bang yeah, that's right you want to look at it that's right but uh yeah if you guys want to try one uh be my guest uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're going to talk about that after i want to i want to ask brady what he learned but I, I want to, that's one thing, I get this question quite a bit, and I'd like to just take a minute um, here and talk about caliber selection and some of the things we like and pros and cons to each because people are, I, I get the question, why, because everybody knows that I shoot a 6.5 Creedmoor, and uh, I keep getting that question like, oh, do, should I be switching to a 6.5 Creed? And uh, I want to talk about it, but Brady, well, we all want to be like Morgan. If you if you want to talk about that, well, it's on your mind. Talk about it. I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, like we can. Let's talk about it. Uh, six five. So, all right. Let's. I get the question. Why are you running the six five Creed more? Should I should I do it? Is all the is all all the top shooters going to be switching back to bigger, larger calibers? Uh, you know, I, I mean, you hear it, I hear it all the time and then people, they assume that it's because of wind. They're like, oh yeah, you're shooting it just in the windy long match, um, windy matches. And I'm like, no. And then they're like, well, are you just shooting it at the matches you think are going to be longer? And no. I mean, like, but why, why am I shooting it? Cause, cause, uh, people, people ask like, well, what should you build? What should a new guy build? And uh, should we should we start with six five creed? That's what you're doing, you know. Like, like, no. So I think there's pros and cons to 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 every caliber, right? 
you could shoot anything from a twenty or two twenty three Remington to a three hundred eight Winchester in this game. But why do you choose one caliber over another, right? Uh, why am I shooting a six five Creedmoor? I've shot a Dasher a lot. I have a Dasher. I've shot a, more rounds out of a Dasher probably than any other gun that I've ever owned my entire life. I've shot more rounds through with the Dasher. I, I I started with a 6.5 Creed, but I only had it on my, my had it. I probably only burned up three barrels um, in the first, you know, what year and a quarter or whatever that I did it. Maybe I burned up two. I can't remember. So 8,000 rounds probably uh, that I shot out of it, which is quite a bit. But I was I, I liked just going and shooting a lot of a lot of rounds back then. Uh, but then I quickly switched to a Dasher because I wanted a six, but I didn't want a six Creed. I wanted something with some barrel life. Um, and I and I found out really fast that that was probably the most forgiving round available. It was it was a, it was a good wise decision. I, and I went to I mean it would shoot almost any bullet that I that I would put in the case. I put powder any powder charge in there. Uh, it didn't matter. It was going to shoot. At 100, it was going to print little groups at 100 yards. It's easy to manage the recoil. Uh, the chronograph always has good numbers, and so you don't have to worry about a lot of um, issues in the uh, with your elevation and stuff like that. You have a, quite a bit of barrel life, so you don't have to. You're not switching barrels all the time, like if you're shooting a six creed, and that slow and it's a little bit slower, so you can be able to. It's a little easier to see when you get inside of 400 yards, and you can, but you it still has enough um, energy and velocity to, to carry you out to 1,200 yards. And then uh, I got the idea that I wanted to try 6.5 Creedmoor again, and when as soon as they came out with these heavy bullets, because they came out with a 153 and a half burger, came out with a 156 burger. 153 a tip and I wanted to I wanted to utilize one of those bullets and see if it carried me it allowed me to take that same type of accuracy out farther and still be able to see things up close and be able to see things out at distance a little bit better than I can with a dasher while still being able to still, still see things um, up close um, and positional see if I could handle the recoil well with that heavier bullet comes a lot more recoil uh, and so you have a there's a huge trade-off there and um, I think that it's if you're starting out um, like you have nothing like you're you've got to learn how to pull the trigger you got to learn how to call the wind you got to learn how to do all these things manage recoil manage the recoil uh, manage your gear you're, you're thinking about all this other stuff Learn, still learning how to reload. So, in my opinion, you want the easiest, most, most forgiving thing available, and that is a six dasher. Yeah. Uh, you know, you hear people talk about twenty-two dasher, twenty-five Creedmoor, twenty-six-five Creedmoor, six forty-seven. You know, six Creed, all this stuff. And for me, there, there's going to be good things about all of them, and all of them are probably going to shoot. They, some of them might take more work in the reloading room or something like that. But for there the is part, nothing easier than the Dasher. No. And, uh, but 
and I get people they they think that for some reason I'll, I'll hear people they'll talk about a 6.5 Creed more and should I do a 6.5 Creed more or I'm going to be so much better in the wind with the 6.5 Creed more and mathematically if you run the numbers it's not that it's not a huge deal like on a on, if you run the brackets and all that stuff I shot next to it all weekend it was about a tenth yeah it, it's a tenth difference and if I'm shooting just inside of you a tenth well, and your wind budget is a half mil on a plate, and mine's 0.46. Exactly. Basically, meaning like if it's an eight mile an hour to 12 mile an hour wind, um, and say his spread is that makes that's a half a mil, and you're shooting at a six tenth plate, he can still put the entire wind that he's that he thinks that you can see. Meaning that say that's say that's anywhere from uh, one mil to one and a half mils of wind. Brady can still put all of his wind on the plate, and for but for me, it's nine tenths and one four, and so I can, it's the same spread. It's just I shoot inside of him, point uh, one. It doesn't matter really. I maybe mine's a maybe mine says one point four six, so you know my my wind bracket might be a half a tenth smaller. Yeah. At the, in the same given um, scenario, does that make a huge difference? No. No. And that's what, I mean, today, Jake shot after me all day, because we reversed the order, and on the pig stage, the last target was 990, I needed 1.8, and he ended up 1.5, so it was 0.3, and that was it. And we have a 13 mile an hour win on that one, so I think that's what I ran, it was a 13, I think he ran the same thing. And, uh, okay, so out at that distance, yeah, it makes a little bit of difference, but we had, what, two targets past 900 all weekend? Two or three? Yeah, there wasn't very many, so it's just, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just a number, and you're gonna hold what number you need to hold. I don't. It might help you catch an edge here and there, but maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, what you gain in seeing downrange, uh, you do seem the bigger bullet better, but well, you if see you can't it in manage the recoil, you're not gonna see anything. Yeah, you might see it in a spotter better, but under a recoil, when that gun's moving, if you can't stop it, yeah. like or catch it, and and just allow it to stop, um, in the right way, it might it, it can be pretty tough on you. Yeah. And and I like I was telling uh, Jake this weekend, he you know he's talking about something. I'm like, you know, yes, I, if you're fundamentally sound, and I don't, I think it matters. Like if you're if you can't shoot a six five creed more and see very well, uh, then you probably need to change some things with the dasher. So it would be smart. But but my thing is I want I I want people to be able to get in the game, have fun as fast as possible, and then learn how to use that as effective as possible, and then step into something else if they want to try it, and then learn. But I would still have a dasher all the time. I still always have a dasher ready to go. Um, but, and then you, it, it can teach you how to manage a recoil better and then, and then it'll make you even better with a dasher. I, I spend a lot of time, even with my dasher, making sure I'm managing the recoil properly, but it will, but, but it, the dasher is so forgiving. It allows you to get away with certain things as far as like indexing with your rifle properly and, and making, building a, a good rifle to shoulder connection that allows you to then, um, manage recoil in the in a in a way that that you maximize what you can see through your through the scope 
and uh, you know a dasher you can a lot of times because of the recoil so light you can let all the way off of it and squeeze the trigger and just let it kind of uh, catch it with your shoulder um, still see yeah which you're still catching it with your with with the six five you got to think of it as catching it but you're building a solid connection with the rifle and I think you should do this every time with your dasher as well build a solid connection with the rifle which means that you come I come in low on the rifle stock and almost it's so that I can pick up the gun with the, with it basically I want to have the top of my my stock at basically if you put your hand on top of my shoulder you should be able to feel the top of my butt stock with your gun if you put it flat on top of my shoulder in whatever position I am so it needs to be high um, the butt of the gun needs to be high in my, on my collarbone and then I use my face to push down and wedge it there and it creates a wedge to where that gun it can't that, that stock cannot drop at all it has to physically move me to, to, for it to drop so that recoil it sets me up in the position when the gun goes off that the gun just goes straight back into me and I, and, and I can just sit there and allow it to push me and I just catch it like that but I'm already set up to catch it I'm not loading into the gun I'm just building a s solid connection I'm loading a little bit like I would with any gun but I'm not like loading hard into it and making a pinch a pivot point with my bag and my mat between my bag and my mag well, that causes flyers but I'm pushing into it enough to where I'm I'm not gonna get knocked over when the gun yeah. goes off essentially so I'm ready and I'm an aggressive solid stance. connection to the gun yeah and built with a solid connection to that rifle um, and if you'll do that with your dasher you're gonna be able to see even more as well because it also keeps your eye aligned with the with your scope really well as well well it's not like that that butt is dropping out from underneath you and you kind of have to chase it with your eye um and that will end up whether you're it'll it, it'll it'll exploit you worse with a 6.5 but i think you start getting vertical flyers yeah. and it, and you also get a point of impact shift um from position to position when you when you don't get a hold of the when you don't do that as well but if you build a solid connection then you're not going to get as much or as many of those vertical flyers and you're not going to get as much of a um, point of impact shift so but it is it harder to do that yes because there's sometimes where you're super wobbly and if you don't know how to really uh, use your body properly to build that position correctly it's it is real easy just to back off of the gun some and all of a sudden yeah. let the gun settle on its own because if you put a rifle on a bag and set it there and let it go if it's balanced on the bag correctly and you look down behind the scope and without touching the rifle the rifle cannot it's not moving it won't go anywhere because but it's so what is creating wobble that's you you're wobbling right the, the gun is not wobbling it, it's inherent it's stable but as soon as you touch it you induce wobble and so there is, so free recoil became really popular because you put as little of you, your input, into the gun as possible. Um, but the problem is, is, and this is what I told, uh, I, I tell people is, because when they're asking, you know, what's better, blah, 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 I'm like, the bullet you can see is the best thing to run. Yeah. So whatever, if you can't see a 6.5 Creedmoor, then don't be running it in a match. Can you practice it or use it as a tool to get better? Then yeah. Uh, 
but if if you're if you're not, you're having a tough time seeing it, use your dasher. Use a six a six or something yeah. so that you can be able to see it because you know there there's there's nothing wrong with using that because that is a great the dasher is a great caliber and I and I think there's nothing wrong with it. I use the six five Creed more uh, personally because I feel like it the that its strengths, the strengths of the 6.5 Creed, um, they meld in and, and uh, they complement my strengths, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I, I don't personally watch for a lot of trace or do anything like that, so recoil to me, I can, I can handle the recoil and be able to see um, that stuff well. But the 6 Creed, or the, I mean the 6 Dasher allows you a little bit more forgiveness in that would you agree oh yeah i i mean yeah i there's no arguing you're gonna see more i mean if you can handle recoil just amazingly like you handle recoil better than anybody i know i it doesn't i think you could shoot a seven mag and you'd probably still whip all of our butts but i the trade-off for me that's why i i don't run one i I don't think I handle recoil well enough to make it worth. I guarantee it's not going to give me any more points. I mean, for some reason, we're going to have to start calling me day two Brady, but <laughs> on day two at all these matches lately, I've been shooting pretty dang good, and I don't feel like a 6.5 Creed would have got me any more points today or the last few matches we've shot nope. at all. I don't. I really don't think it would have mattered. Um, and I just, I don't know. I. I don't think a dasher would have cost me any points either. No, exactly. That's a. I mean, you just you like the six five Creed. I it just. I love the dasher. I, I will ever have a hard time switching ever. Yeah. I think it's kind of the best caliber ever. But. Yep. Yeah. I. The biggest thing is, you're right. Every time we go somewhere, everybody's like, "Oh, should I shoot a six five Creed?" And you're like. Just because I'm shooting one doesn't mean you need to shoot one. Like, yeah, because people, I've I've got the comment. They're like, "Man, should I do it? Should I try it?" I'm like, "Sure, try it." And then all of a sudden they build one, and then I and then they take it to one match, and they go, "I'm never doing. I can't. I can't do anything. I can't yeah, see the, it." I the blah, guy blah, blah. in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's just a lot of times. I mean, Paul's Paul shot it a fair bit. He, he Paul's fine. He just he's fine. Paul can shoot a six five green. But there has been guys that have talked to you that we know of a couple personally that, like the one guy asked, he went and built one, shot at a match, absolutely hated it, and sold it right after. Well, you got to shoot it more than once, too, to really know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, especially when you're going from a dasher to a 6.5 Creed, you better shoot that 6.5 Creed a lot before you make up your mind, I think. Yeah, I shot one before and thought, uh, it would have been no problem going back to it, but I, I have lost a lot of the skill in handling, handling recoil, and I'm sure I could get it back. Yeah. But, man, these matches cost a lot of money. That's the thing. That's my big thing. <laughs> I, you spend enough money going to these, you better bring what you're confident in. Right? Yeah. yeah if, I, if you're confident in your dasher, your BR, whatever it is, bring it. Don't, don't bring a 6.5 Creed because... A few of the top guys are running. I mean, yeah, they shoot them great, but I 
uh, Gadarzi's running a, a, a six dasher. Yeah. So, and he dropped one more point than me, and it yep. dang sure wasn't. Not, it's not like I, I beat him by one point because I was shooting a six five Creedmoor. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like I say it it shoots a little bit inside of those, but the but as far as bracketing the wind goes, it's almost identical. Yeah. Uh, it you, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter much. It may be, I don't know. There's not much that I can say. Like I mean. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that 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 uh, I don't think. Like I think they might hold a little bit of an elevation better when you get way out there. Yes. And they might hold a little bit windage. Your brackets might be a thick smaller when you get way out there. But we don't shoot out there often That's enough. That's the thing. Like we don't. We didn't even shoot past. We shot one target, and we shot it two times, and over a thousand, over a thousand yards this weekend, and it was at a thousand ninety. And then we shot two other rounds at 990. Everything else was 750 and in. Yep. Essentially. And 750 and in, your dasher's going to hang right there with. Yeah, and honestly, 1,000 and in. Yeah. A, 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 even out to that 1,090, it, the dasher and the 6.5 Creedmoor are going to, you're not going to see the benefits until you're past maybe 1,200 yards. Yeah. And then even then, the benefits are still so small. Well, I don't, yeah. I, I mean, well, with, a one, with a 109, you should be, which if you're shooting a dasher, you should be shooting a 109 or a 110 A-tip. That's it. A 109 burger or a 110 A-tip as far as, like, if you want. that That's the most competitive round, I think. There's that, other bullets that are great, but those are the two. Those are the two main ones. Uh, a 105 hybrid is a really easy bullet, uh, but it's it's quite a bit less BC. You're, you're 25 points less on the BC. You know, it's a 275 versus a 302 is what is what uh, the 109 is. Like, I know it says on your box that it's a 292, but I've shot... I don't know a single person. That yeah, I don't know either. I probably shot, I don't know, 25,000 of them, maybe 30. Yeah. 1,000 of 109s, probably. I run and, 301. And I run, okay, 301, I run 300. Yeah. And, uh, I, well, I've on, on, yeah, no, one lot, I've ran 302 all the way through, and I run another lot at 300 all the way through. Doesn't matter, but they're always there. I talked to a guy um, a couple weeks ago who trued it in Mirage to like 292 or something, and then he had to increase it uh, the next day during the match uh, to 300. And then yeah. so, because I told him I was like, "Well, that sounds low," but and then and then sure enough, it was. Um, so he had to, he had to fix that, and there you go. I mean, so. I mean, almost everyone, and that's the same with the 110 A tip. Almost everybody I've talked to is about 300 with those. Uh, so, and that's a great BC um, out of that out of that gun. That that I've won several, I, I, a lot of matches with it with with 109s and a Dasher. Uh, there, it's a it's a great gun. But but when you compare a 109 and a 110 or like a 112 Barnes or something like that, 115 D out of a dasher versus a uh, 156 or a 153 and a half out of a Creedmoor, the wind is very very close. You get a little bit more benefit um, with, with a than a with a 270 or with the 105 hybrid versus the the 153 to 156 class bullets, but it's not. It's still it's not a ton. Like it, uh, uh, isn't that all Chad rounds is one. 
Yeah. Yeah, he runs 105s. Uh, Francis runs 109s. You run 109s. Uh, there's a lot of people that have switched now all a lot of them all switch the 109s or 110s so and those are um, great bullets so you know once you get into that class of bullet I mean there's not really a ton of benefit you know because I'm only running 2680 yeah. uh, and uh, somewhere in there and that's at 2680 uh, versus a a dasher and a 109 going 2800 to 2850, like the wind's really really close. Almost all weekend, I've been, I mean, how many targets do we have between four and 600? A Most lot. of them, yeah. You were either half a tenth or a tenth different than me. Maybe it was more like yeah, a half maybe. a tenth. Yeah, I would. There's multiple stages, half tenth. Yep. So. Yeah, which is basically you hold the same thing. Yeah. And so you don't tell a lot of difference, but what you can tell is you can tell the difference in how hard the bullet hits the plates and uh, how much recoil you're handling. And the recoil is pretty significant when you say, Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's night and day. Yeah. Uh, It's not that it's a lot, really, right? I mean, it just is way more than a dasher. Yeah. Well, and, and that that was my thing. I'm, I'm used to shooting a jet dasher. Didn't think I cheated a dasher, but when you shoot a Creedmoor, it'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, I should have spent a little more time under the, the rifle. Uh, most of my shots on that Creedmoor was low development. I did take it to a to another match and uh, had some mag- magazine issues, and, and I really think is because I was uh, wasn't loading the gun right and so it allowed the rounds to go to the front of the mag so it was like seven eight nine ten i was having issues with those the feeding on those bullets because they were they were uh, nosing down because the gun you know i was allowing the gun to free recoil basically yeah so you're not gonna you're not gonna cheat with the you know a creedmoor they yep you have to manage them correctly every shot every time yep uh, and that was you know i own that i understand that uh i'm sure i could overcome it am i willing to no <laughs> <laughs> again we spend enough money traveling oh yeah you need to, yeah. yeah 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 i i got a good thing going with my dashers uh they hammer i hope they're not mad at me for stepping out on them with hey, the Creedmoor. You cheated on them. Yeah, I did. You know, <laughs> you got a couple of women at home that are probably really pissed off. Oh, oh, I, I can only imagine. I, all I can say is I, I hope that uh, I can keep them in the dark and feed them BS. So oh, they I'm, still shoot for me. I'm sure you can. Well, you're gonna, you're gonna dismantle her, so cut, chop her into pieces. So I imagine they'll be okay now. Yeah. I'll have to do it in front of them. Yep. <laughs> a ceremony. Have them all watching. I did have a lot of fun with that Creedmoor. Uh, it does dig a ditch. It does do that. Uh, it, it, and, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to try it, because uh, I just, you know, if you can 
see your misses. It'll it'll throw the dirt right in the air uh, versus a dasher or a 22 dasher. You know, they're even harder to see your misses, especially yep. in the grass. Yep. And I wanted something, you know, I miss enough. I wanted something that I could correct by, but uh, it's it's not worth the learning curve to me. Yeah. If I was younger, maybe. <laughs> well, you just shoot a dasher so good, and I feel, feel like uh, it, it, it is different. And so, to me, if you shoot a dasher good, and there's no there's really no competitive advantage going with the Creedmoor. There's a there like I say there's some pros and cons. There's less recoil with the dasher, which is a huge one. But then, you know, there's some things that I like like as far as like more splash um, off the target and on the target. There's uh, it's just a lot of bullet going down there that you can be able to see stuff um, on or off the target. And um, but then the dasher is this great balance between a 22 there's not enough going i mean it's just not as big a bullet going down there so it's not going to make as much disturbance um to like vegetation dirt all that stuff and then splash on the plate well yeah and you gotta you gotta have a good spotter sometimes you know i i said this a long time ago that uh say take take a six five creedmoor uh you're dealing with recoil, but uh, 22 dasher, you're dealing with the RO. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, did that hit the target? Was that a hit? Yeah, no. Was that a hit? No. I swear that was a hit, you know. Exactly. And so, and that's another reason why I kind of like the 6.5 is I, I just, like, it, if you get an edge hit, there's you don't ever have to, have to, have to, uh, you hardly have to ever say anything. Like, no, there's like, action that on that hit? target. They're like, that oh no, you it. you hit it for sure. Like everybody sees it. I mean, it, it it's just it is a lot nicer that way. You, there's no questions. Um, so yeah, it it's just that that six is just such a great balance of like low recoil, but yet still enough to like kick some dust up uh, to be able to see some splash. Um, to see some of that, what Francis calls spall. So like when the, the splash off of the, of the bullet is what he calls spall. So you can see some spall. I like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Versus dust. And there's also dust, you know, from the bullet, whatever. Yes, you have more with a 6.5, but you have more recoil. So you got to balance. There's this balance, balancing act. You, I could go to a 308 with a 175, and then I got all that spall. And all of that dust, um, but then I got even more recoil than I'm dealing with now. Could I do it? Probably. Yeah, shoot a 175A tip and have ba that you're basically stepping into that 105BC, similar speeds as a 105. But then you got a crap load of recoil, but you have a lot to see if you can manage the recoil. So. I mean, I think it's doable. Could you probably take one of those and be very competitive? Yes, you could. Um, in fact, in the right hands, you could do it. But, but as a competitor, you're like, well, I could, I could take a 156, get almost the same amount of, of splash and spall that you get with a, with that 308. Um, but I, now you've got a to grundle of BC, almost 100 points more BC, yeah. about 90. So. 
it's a balancing act um, and I just happen to like the little bit more bullet doesn't make it better doesn't even make it more competitive it's just like I say there's a balance and uh, I think starting out like say because people ask that question I think starting out that dasher is a way to go uh, there now there's not a ton of companies that make make factory brass or factory no they make factory brass but alpha munitions makes factory brass but they don't make factory ammunition not a lot of factory ammunition for it uh there is um clay's cartridge company does um what's that cartridge eagle ely no eagle yeah eagle eagle Eagle, no no i think it's just eagle eye eagle eye ammunition i think is what it is out of arizona makes some factory ammunition for the dasher um another good cartridge that you could go with that would make some factory ammo for is a 6br um, you can maybe even do a six arc. Yeah. Uh, six arc. I don't know that I would go with an arc. I do with the arc. In, like unless, unless you uh, really absolutely couldn't find factory ammo for something else, just because it doesn't have the case capacity. Um, you're ha- you're gonna have to run close to pressure, and there's not a lot of good brass options for it. Um, so you have to get way too close to pressure. Um, and you have a ra- one rainy day, literally a rainy day, at a match, and all of a sudden you're popping primers, and that's not a good day. So, uh, a six creed is another one that you can get some factory ammo for, and have a good balance of recoil and seeing stuff. Uh, it's a little bit faster, so it might be you might have a little less reaction time, less barrel life, and a little less barrel life, but it's still not bad. But a 6.5 Creedmoor has tons of factory ammo options. And if you can learn to recoil, uh, deal with the recoil, you'd be just fine. So uh, I think fact, if, you, if, you can't, if you cannot reload, 6.5 Creedmoor is probably the better option. Yeah. If you reload, I will go with a 6 Dasher every time, twice on Sunday. Yep. Bottom line, Dasher still win matches if you're not there. Most matches are won with a Dasher. Yeah, so... Well, and the other great thing about the Dasher is uh, you used to have to fire form the brass. Yeah. Now Alpha Munitions, you know, they make Dasher brass, and it's it's that much easier. And it's uh, good stuff. Good brass, it's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Works well. I We all used yeah. to use Lapua, and now we all use Alpha, and it's as good or better than the uh, Lapua. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, but the Lapua stuff, if you want to fire form, is totally good as well. I mean, I think it's six is one way, half a dozen the other. I mean, they're both just great. Just There's literally no work with the Alpha. Well, and the Dasher gets good good uh, fuel mileage, too. You're using a third less powder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to think about that. Bullets are cheaper. Powder is cheaper. Like, everything's cheaper with a Dasher, too. Great economy gun. Yeah. It's a... Well, that's how much powder do you need for 250 rounds like oh i don't well so you can do 160 with the dasher and i think you're about 120 per pound so 160 to 150 with the dasher and probably close to 100 to 110 with a uh creedmoor per pound so you're another 40 to 60 shots more yeah 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 you're you're almost you're about 25 percent um more powder with a Creedmoor. Yeah. 
well, 25% less would, is probably the better way to put, put it with the, with the dasher. Uh, so, yeah. At about the same barrel life. Yeah, yeah. I You can probably get a little bit more. With the, yeah, that's a great thing to talk about a little bit, too, because I just won this match. With, I just finished up. I'm probably about 32 to 3,300 rounds on the barrel. And that's more than any dasher I've ever ran. <laughs> yeah, I've ran some dashers that far, but I haven't ever took them to a match. Yeah. Uh, I kind of was in a, in a bind, and uh, I I don't know. I'm, I went back started counting. I thought it was about 2,900. And then I started going back counting. I think it's closer to 3,100 when I started the match. And so I'm somewhere around 32 to 3,300 rounds on this 6.5 Creedmoor. And, uh, you know, I, we were shooting little targets, didn't lose any velocity. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I wouldn't advocate for taking one that far. This barrel just shoots so good. And I, I had a barrel that just wasn't shooting like, like I like. Uh, I need to maybe go and do some stuff and try to tweak that barrel to get it up and running. Um, but I I shot it at, at uh, the match in Parma, and it and I noticed it wasn't shooting as good on paper there. And then I, I tried to do some other testing with it at home, and ended up um, bagging it because I didn't have enough time and loaded up ammo for this gun, and it was sitting there, and I. I mean, I've taken this barrel all over the place in one well, matches. With this barrel, is I think much. I think it's won every match but one. It was yeah. second at one match. I think it's won close to ten matches. Yeah, uh, yeah, that gun. This this particular barrel is what they call a Hummer. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 an awesome barrel. Uh, now, now now wait a minute. Uh, define this Hummer. <laughs> I'm sorry, Morgan. <laughs> it's late at night. Uh, I'm getting to be a smart ass, I guess. So. No, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty dang good. I get what you're saying. It's it's the best thing out there. Yeah, well, it just I just mean like for uh, I don't know why they call them that, but it's like old bench rest guys would call their really good shooting barrels they call them hummers because it like it hums not like a hummer like as in as in the uh off-road vehicle or whatever the heck it is earlier barbie jeep or like a hummer or like a hummer <laughs> they were they're talking about like like for her i think they were talking about it like a like a tuning or like a tuning fork or whatever that it just hums Got a good tune to it. Yeah, it is tuned up. So, yeah, they're, they're the barrels you hate to see wear out for sure. Oh yeah, I I don't want to see it go, but it's basically time. And so, I'm having another barrel spun up at the moment, and uh, I'll probably tweak with this other one see if I can't do anything with it. But yeah, uh, so I guess. If you were to, I mean, I think I already know the answer to this, but you had one one caliber to choose from. Out of all the calibers in the world, what would you do? Four PRS? Huh? Yeah. Four PRS? Yeah. Dasher. It's not even a a thought to me. I love the Dasher. Probably never going to switch, I don't think. I mean, I I have other calibers that I shoot, but if I'm going to a match, 
that's what I'm shooting. I've had all my best results with a dasher. I, yeah, not even a question for me. I'll always run a dasher. What about you, Paul? I have a lot more fun when I hit targets, so uh, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, so I, I'm going to play more with the dasher uh, from now on. Yeah. Yeah, it would be hard not to choose a dasher as the one caliber if you could only have one. Yeah. I mean, like I, if, I could, if I had to only shoot one thing for the rest of my life, it would probably be that. Unless I had to add hunting or anything else in. Yeah, that's the thing. If you add hunting in, it's going to be different. But at the same time, that it might probably be the 6.5 Creedmoor for me. Yeah. Right now, if I answer that question right now, it would be a 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. Which, uh, there'd be no reason for you to not shoot the 6.5 Creedmoor as yeah, well as I, you should. It's been so good to me. Yeah. And maybe it's just this barrel. Maybe I just got one good, good shooting barrel. Yeah. I don't know. But... I know that I've probably we've probably not answered the question fully when of like what to do, but I'm just here to tell you that the number one thing you have to remember is the bullet you can see is the best thing to run. Yeah. Um, the 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 one you can see the best and the most often, I guess. And for me, I probably see them both about the same. Uh so it doesn't matter, probably. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that, that if you're not reduced to that recoil, you're probably going to be way better off with something lower recoil. Yep. There's a reason why everybody started out with a 6.5 back in the day. Well, people started out with a 308, and they went, and then they, they, they picked up a 6.5 and went, wow, there's more BC, less recoil. No brainer. Let's go to that. And then... Uh, and then all of a sudden, the dashers and the creeds come It was the creeds first. And the creeds, you could take a BC that was a little bit lower, shoot it faster, and then get the exact same um, ballistics performance out of a 6-creed uh, um, as you could a 6.5-creed or a 6.547. Um, but but you, uh, you had half the recoil again or not half but you had less recoil again and so and then all of a sudden dasher comes along and now all of a sudden people realize well it doesn't matter if you get a little bit less um wind like if you're wind you have to hold just a smidge more wind but you can get even less recoil with a dasher and a little bit more consistent they're a little bit easier to tune so let's shoot let's go with the dasher yeah and so then everybody starts switching to a dasher, um, and then all of a sudden a higher BC bullet comes out. So now it makes it almost sixes with everything, right? Yeah. Almost all of them, wind wise, are very very similar, but yet, very, but that dasher has still got that low recoil. And now you've even got a ninety grain A tip and shoot a twenty. So now you can get the almost the same BC as a one hundred and nine, yeah. and shoot him shoot him really really fast. Um, but yet now you're going into that territory of now you can't quite see the bullet if you miss or even where it, where you hit on the plate with going down to a 22. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's why the 22s haven't taken off. I, in fact, I know that's why they haven't yeah. because that dasher is just such a good place where... It's the perfect in-between. It's a perfect blend. The nodes are real big for any load you put in them. I mean, you're going to have... I mean, unless you're doing something real weird... 
your SDs are going to be low, your extreme spreads are going to be low. It's just, there's not a whole lot of tuning involved with it. Yep. So. They're definitely the easy button. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now with, and now that this the heavier bullets came out for the six fives, now there's an argument to be made of like, is it relevant again? Maybe, but it's not that. It's not enough of a benefit to negate the recoil benefits. The recoil benefits are always going to be there with the Dasher, and it's a great caliber. Shoots amazing. So. Dashers are still going to be one with mat with with our matches are still going to be one with dashers. Uh, I'm still going to get beat by a dasher every now and again, but a six five Creedmoor is not irrelevant. So, yeah. Um, now that we've uh, talked about that, um, I guess getting back to the match. As far as what, going back to the question I asked Paul, but what did you learn from this match? I'll answer that. For me, I learned, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Well, I guess I, for, for me, it was some mental stuff, right? That I needed to stay, I need to stay um, in the moment and, and excited. I, I, if, you've, if you've ever shot with me, I shoot with a lot of emotion. And uh, every now and again, I'll get complacent and won't shoot with that emotion. And I feel like that emotion helps me because it helps me. I want to, I get excited. And when I get excited, I stay locked in and I stay here in the moment. Versus when I get relaxed, I start, it allows my mind to wander. And so really paying attention and, and getting excited and being happy to be there. Um, and just excited to shoot a match. Uh, for me, that that's a good thing. Uh, another deal is is don't rush your last shot. I did on one. I don't know that that's why I missed it, but I uh, I shot. It was on a on a stage that was uh, you shot these bottles. We talked about it already. Out to, from three twenty five to six twenty five. Um, in 15, 50 yard increments or whatever and I went near to far and when I hit the far one it's only a quarter mil wide uh, I hit it and it turns it and it comes off of the <laughs> it came off of the the T-post hanger damn great uh, dang 6.5 greets <laughs> and they had to go <laughs> down there and they had to fix it and so then I and they gave me the option of restarting or starting at the far one, and the wind had completely switched directions. I was like, heck no, I'm going to walk it out again and then come back because uh, it was near to far, far to near. And so I Probably the second hardest stage of the match, too. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. if you don't count the strap as, as the hardest. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't. I don't. Because it was, it was three were uh, not relevant. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, anyways, I, so I restarted the stage, and so I, so I went, I'd already gone one for six, I go one for six going out, and then come right back in, in the, in the biggest target, the, the closest one, I got 20, 30 seconds left, and I, and I, and I just shoot the, shoot the second one, come into the next one, pull a trigger, and just miss it, just miss it clearly off the right, and I, I just center punch the other one, 
and it, and I held wind, the wind and everything, and just missed it. I don't, but the wind, I, I don't see a way that, that it could have picked up three tenths. No, that, that was so. Odd. I don't know why I missed. I don't. Maybe I rushed it. I didn't feel like I rushed it, but I did shoot it fast. You uh, did shoot it fast for sure. I could have slowed down, and then and then I wouldn't be questioning questioning whether or not I shot it fast. It was yeah. kind of like the the last my last miss, right? I did not rush that shot, and I missed it on the very last stage. Yeah, on the very last stage yeah. of the match, and it was another situation. I, that was just the first round of the match, but I missed the closest. Easiest target. Yeah. Uh, first round, and then I did the same thing on that other stage. But so really, maybe and maybe that's I've been meaning to get one of those talking timers or whatever for they're for like blind people where they'll they'll tell you when it. So you start the timer at say two minutes or whatever, and it'll tell you at a minute, and it'll they'll tell you fifty seconds, forty seconds, thirty seconds, twenty seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, time. And then it'll beep yeah. or whatever. And you can have that so you know it's, it's always telling you where you're at. And if I had that, there's no way. I probably would have taken 10 seconds to break that last shot. Yeah. And so that that just reaffirmed to me that I need to get a couple of them bought. I know they're fragile, but I need to get a couple of them ordered up. So. That's funny. That, that was part of my <laughs> learning. That was part of what you learned? That was going to be part of it, yeah. I had two things that I learned this weekend. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. You go ahead. (laughs) The two main things I came away with this weekend for me, I timed out a couple times where I haven't been timing out a whole lot, so it kind of bugged me a little bit. But one of them was a 10-position, 10-round stage. And I felt good going through it, and I, I timed out on the last two rounds. And I just feel like... That leads into my other learning from this weekend was my stage planning needs to be a little more in depth before I start. I on the ten position, ten round stage, I don't feel like I planned that quite as good as I should have. There was was there only ten positions? No, there was more than ten positions. There was like like twelve or thirteen. There was like thirteen or fourteen possible positions. But some of them just really were not. I mean. I don't know. They weren't I, great. They weren't great, yeah. And I... Like the spool looked great, but it was wobbly. Yeah, I didn't, so I didn't, I didn't go on that. I, I knew that. It. it was wobbly. Yeah, yeah, it was way wobbly. But even just... I mean, I watched one of the guys we shot with run through and shot every position that he could with a bipod and then popped his bipod off and ran the whole rest of the way back on the other options without his bipod on. Well... And I watched him do that, and it was smooth as can be. And I knew... But John shoots real good, and he's real smooth. Well, it wasn't John. It was Jake. Is that what John oh, really? did, too? Yeah, Jacob John did, did it. Yeah, John oh, did Oh, I didn't know that. He had, like, 20 seconds left, too. Yeah, see, and that's... A, I I did not think I would time out. I thought I had plenty of time running through, making good trigger pulls, and then... Is I, that what you did? You went bipod, bipod, bipod all the way down, and then went back, back? No. No, I ran through and just ran them so I didn't have to come back. So I Like ran, me. Exactly. And I just figured I, everything was fine. I know I did on the one barrel. It might have been faster I, to do what they did. Yeah, I think it was a little bit. And I I mean, I fumbled on two spots that I know is what cost me the majority of my time. On the first barrel, I stumbled a little bit. What was that? Oh, well, we just ran over something. But I stumbled on the first barrel 
I got in a position that just was not solid. I could see my heartbeat in my scope. So I readjusted there. That probably cost me 10 seconds. And then another one, I left my bipod on trying to get on one of the positions that was kind of a tight position. And my bipod was hitting the one spot. And you kind of had to be on the far right of this position so you didn't hit. There was a piece of wood in front of you. That, I just, I should have realized that stuff before the stage. So my stage planning was kind of not all there this weekend because the same thing happened on the mover stage and which really frustrated me because I was shooting pretty dang good up until that point and I I don't know if I just happened to not realize I was in a real weird spot for where my front bag was because everybody in front of me ran a tripod and it was just fine for everybody and I get up there and the tripod's hitting the one tire and I could not figure out what I was doing wrong and it cost me, that one cost me five points and that which just, that one ate me alive. That one was really frustrating. That one takes the wind out of your sails. Yeah, that one's bad because had that not happened, I mean, I, I was shooting real good up to that point. I just, I don't know. So, and I feel like if I'd have really thought about the stage a little bit more beforehand and maybe paid slightly more attention, I don't know. It just it didn't look like a hard stage to me as far as position wise. It, I mean, it wasn't solid, solid, but it wasn't horrible. So I don't know. I think that was my main takeaways: is maybe watch my or plan my stages a little better than I did this weekend, and then also time management, which ten positions. Yeah, I, that was my own fault. I should have done that a little differently, but. Time and planning, my two main bills there. What do you think you did good this weekend? Trigger pulls. Yeah. I really focused hard the last three weeks. That's been my main issue, which is ironic because I got another tied for eighth place. <laughs> so that's now four in a row. Um, the last three matches, I know I was punching the trigger. I didn't, let me rephrase that. I didn't know, but it explained a lot once I found out and was told that I was punching the trigger at our last match in Parma, that's all I've worked on the last three weeks was just making sure I make good trigger pulls, even if that's sacrificing timing out like I did a couple times this weekend. There was, I mean, it's a combination of a few things, but one thing I didn't skimp on all weekend was I made sure I pulled the trigger good. And I, as far as I can think of, I don't believe I punched the trigger one time this weekend. I'm sure I did at some point, but that's pretty good. I, I felt good about that part for myself not stoked that i'm in eighth place again but or i guess it was technically ninth because i lost the tiebreaker but yeah i think that was that was the one thing i was very happy with for myself this weekend what, what about you paul what do you think you uh did well this weekend well i what i took away from it is uh match preparation before you even leave home Make sure you can run what you got. Uh, practice with it and positional. Practice with it. How you know? Do the paper stages, hundred yard paper stages. Yeah. With whatever gun you're taking, and especially if you're changing cal- calibers. Uh, I got the load development done. The gun shot well. I did not practice a whole lot of positional with it, and. Had I done that, I think I'd have done better at the match. Yeah. Or I'd have, or I'd have made the choice to take the dasher. Yeah. Um, 
that's that's one thing. The thing I've been working on for the last few weeks is is being ready for that, especially that first stage. I get I'm I'm very complacent in the morning. Uh, you know, I, I've got me a process now. I say it out loud. Uh, those things worked out real well for me. I I didn't make you know hardly any mistakes on that part of it, but. I was not prepared for that Creedmoor. Yeah. Uh, so those two things, uh, you know, just just be ready for what you what you're taking. Yeah. Which I will say, I think that's one thing that I did well this weekend. It, what I did is I started before the match, uh, before the match even began. I was ready to go because we had shot paper stages, and I knew for sure that the gun that I was going to take was not good enough. Uh, and I left it home and I, and I brought a gun that I, I validated it and made sure that it was ready to go. And it, and it was, and it was better than what I was going to take to the match. And so I, I went from bringing a gun that was, uh, in at best, uh, three quarters of a minute to all of a sudden a, a three eighths gun. I guess another thing I would reiterate: uh, if something's working for you, don't change. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know, I see a lot of guys changing chassis, changing this, changing that, and uh, they'd be really good shooters if they just stuck with what they, you know, if, if they just stuck with what they had. What and, is it? What's and, the old saying? Fear the man, or fear the guy with one gun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's. That was my learning curve, you know, and get back to what I know, uh, or make it work before I go to the match. Yeah. So that's where I was complacent. Yeah. We when we were out practicing the the paper stages, I was shooting a dasher. Yeah, and it was good. <laughs> yeah. Really well, you good. You were? I didn't know that. Yeah, I we, thought you were shooting your six five. No, when we shot. No, I did load development on the six five, and then I had rounds for the dasher. So practiced with that on positional. And, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, we, we shot dots. All we did, like when I was telling you, we had I had these big old groups. Yeah, yeah. When we because I was shooting positional, so we do we were doing my one shot drills, which we've talked about on this podcast, and I, we were doing those and getting in position, and then and then pulling trigger. And I and uh, man, I, my my groups were, you know, we were shooting one inch circles, and I was fighting to keep all the rounds in the one inch circle, and Paul was over there half a circle, like you know, half inch group, and I'm like, son of a gun, this thing sucks, and uh, sure enough, I I go get it, I I drop down um, and shoot it back and bipod, and same size of group, and so I was like, same point of impact, just same size of group, just big old three-quarter inch group basically and and there's paul shooting half minute and mine's a minute to three quarters of a minute and so i'm like okay that's something wrong i, w- I go to my truck grab my dasher yeah give me a lot of confidence yeah no he's <laughs> whooping my butt but then i go grab my dasher and my dasher remember that that was like a oh yeah like three-eighths group or something like that you know did did the same thing you know i'm talking like 10 shots you know just putting a nice group on paper and went okay well at least i got this gun uh and then but i want to take six five because man i 
I've, I've been shooting that all year and I committed to shoot that all year. So, uh, because I shoot it well. And so I, I had that old 6.5 Creedmoor barrel sitting there and uh, I loaded up some rounds, same load I'd been shooting. I just had a different jug of powder and just went and validated that, that, the, that the velocity was the same. And here we are. Uh, and it ended, up, it ended up getting me out of a bind. And so. And it still brought you home the win. Yeah, no. Yeah, Morgan got his first win this weekend. It was really cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> yep, first first ever. <laughs> just joking. He just uh, wins all the time. Oh, shut up. <laughs> but no, yeah, so I, I feel like that's one thing I did to get. I, and I, I was really watching the bullet well, and I feel like I made uh, good trigger pulls, I would say, 99% of the time. I think there was a couple... I may have got a little bit, uh, well, I don't think, I, I got a little punchy on one, one or two of them, but I, I corrected myself. I knew uh, I just got in a little hurry. Not on the ones that I talked about I missed. Uh, it was more, it was, I think, on the 10 position stage. I think I, I punched it once. Went, oh, that was dumb. Still hit the target, luckily. but uh, And it wasn't like a horrible one. It was more of one where I went, I wanted to go now, and, and then I was like, don't do that crap again. And then I, I was like, okay, just set up, get my natural point of aim, start, set the wobble in the, in the middle of the plate, and then and then squeeze. And when it goes off, it goes off, and uh, went back to doing that, and I was just fine. But sometimes, it, like I say, it's the hardest time to make good trigger pulls is when you're wobbling. And so you just got to really focus on it. And I, luckily, I was able to stay in the zone and, and uh, get make some good trigger pulls. So, but yeah, I, I I think once you and I think that's one of the important things to note when you're when you're analyzing your performance at a match. You really need to dig in there, even if you feel like you did horrible. You need to uh, you need to go and and identify the things that you did well. Find the positives. Yeah, and and be like, man, I did this well. I did this well. I accomplished this goal that I set out for. I accomplished this goal I set out for. Um, before you start really getting too hard on yourself, so that you can understand, like, man, I, I do good. You know, like you got what the the overwhelming reality is is that most of the shooters that play this game hit most of the targets. So most of the time, we are successful. It's not like it's not like you're just completely garbage, you know. Yeah. But you also have to realize that. That if you're hitting 70% of the targets, you're not doing something, right? Because I was, I probably shot 95% this weekend. Nine, no, it's probably 93 or four. So, at least, right? You dropped nine. Yeah, I know, but it wasn't out of. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, that's 95. Yeah, I was gonna say. And that's including three rounds that were not. Yeah. That were almost impossible. They weren't impossible. But they, impossible, but they were, but, but, but you had a statistic involved. disadvantage, yeah. statistical disadvantage, but, uh, they were very impractical. So, um, so obviously somebody's up here. So somebody's doing this. This is, this is the ideal. This is, this is, if I did everything right, I'm probably going to be up here. Yeah. And, but I, but, but I'm down here. So you need to say, okay, what got me to here? What got me to being successful 75% of the time or whatever? 
be able to be able to say that be able to say look i do these things right that's good but it's important to then identify what it is that i did wrong and not be not be overconfident and be willing to be willing to to identify those issues and accept that oh hey i'm doing these things wrong and don't be like man that sucks i'm horrible and and get overly down on yourself but realize that that if you're doing something wrong and somebody can help you identify it you know they say hey you're doing this wrong or whatever kind of like you did with with uh, jake when he said hey you probably need to work on your trigger pull because i've seen you slap the trigger uh on a few times a few times throughout the day so there's probably a chance that you're you're getting a little punchy and uh and and the first reaction is to be like oh no because you want to protect yourself right you're trying to protect yourself and you're like yes but then all of a sudden you realize wow if i really am that's a, that's that's an that's a way that i can go home and i can take that now now i know what why i you know that, that's one reason that i didn't i wasn't here and so you go and you can now you know and you can fix something you can take something to the practice um to practice and then work on it improve it and then all of a sudden get closer to being that 95 percent or 90 percent or whatever that bet just in, in, increase your hit percentage at that match until pretty soon you are up there so when you do identify issues don't don't beat yourself up but realize that that's an opportunity to get better and the first step in improvement is identifying identifying problems and issues and realize that hey man because uh, when we talk to people and I talk to people that 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 uh, all the time and they're like yeah man I, yeah I got that I got it I got it I got it and I'm like okay well then there's nothing I can tell you yeah the more you're willing to listen learn and be told okay you need to maybe try this and you try it accept the criticism accept the criticism exactly good job that's i mean i think if you are willing to learn do not ever think you know everything because you don't i know and there's probably always another way to do something and that's i mean you see a lot of guys like i've seen you give guys tips or points and they're like yeah cool thanks and they just don't do it Oh yeah, well, and if because you're not willing to, it's just that you're not gonna. Well, yeah, because they, I think they think they're. I don't know that they think that that I'm being a jerk or anything like that, but they just like they're like, nah, I got that. Yeah, you know, exactly. I already got that. Or like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, if you got it, then cool. But yeah. most likely you don't because yeah. I'm just telling you right now that you're not doing something, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, because if I'm here at 96 or 95 percent, yeah. and you're at 75 percent. There's a gap. There's some things that you didn't do, whatever, whatever they are, yeah. right? Yeah. And and uh, and I'm not saying that I know what those things are, but, but there's something. But there's something in there that you need to improve upon, and so you don't want to just immediately just assume that you have everything figured out because the, the second you think you have everything figured out is the is the moment that you will never improve. Yep. As Paul would eloquently put it, you are damned. The, the water stopped flowing. Yeah, well, you yeah because you just you you uh, that's the right that's the definition of being damned, right, Paul? It is. Is you can't improve because you think you know everything and you don't. Like uh, Jake told me this. Jake told me this weekend, and and of course my first reaction is no, I I, I don't need to do that or whatever. I, but he's like, because he, I said I really I try to I try to hurry 
and and be as efficient as efficient as a possible. And I guess efficiency, like being super efficient in between positions, to buy myself more time on the trigger. It's not like I shoot overly fast. And he's like, no, you're methodical. He's like, but he's like, but you also get excited. You're like, kind of like get excited. And so that might raise your heart rate a little bit. Whereas if you just kind of like, kind of went a little bit more nonchalant through it and just smooth. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you uh, aren't quite as quick between there, but you don't, your heart rate's not as up. I'm like, there's maybe something to be said for that. There's maybe, and I'm like, okay. All right. He's like, maybe practice both, you know? Cause I'm like, well, I practice this way, you know, like I do that. So I have more time on the trigger and it's true. And there, I, there I think, is an old saying that's, you know, it says, uh, slow is smooth and, and smooth, smooth is fast. fast. Yeah. Well, we said that roping calves. I'm not, I won't die, deny that that's true, but I don't, but I think being smooth and fast is not bad either. Oh, I agree. And I don't feel like I'm choppy in the way I do things. No, you yeah. just, you're, I'm very you're deliberate. Point. You're deliberate. Yep, that's the word. You, you, you don't take, you don't shuffle. You take large steps. You put the rifle down on the bag. You know, but you I'm definitely hustling to get that bolt closed. You like are. That's my, I am hurrying to get the bolt closed. Whereas you watch other people and they don't look like they're hurrying. I look faster than other people. You close the bolt faster than anybody I watch. Yeah, the bolt is getting closed, and I'm, like, on the target, and I, my finger starts touching the trigger, and then I start thinking and slow down. All of a sudden, I slow way, way down as soon as, as, soon as my bolt closes, where I feel like everybody else is is kind of staying at a, at a, nor, a cadence. Their cadence um, while, while on the trigger matches their cadence before closing the bolt, if that makes sense. So they're moving all at this slow, smooth pace all the way through, which is still good. Like you watch Nicky Darcy, he's smooth and all that. But and so that's something that I might practice a little bit and try and see if it if it helps. Like on a stage, like if I can, if I match similar times. But the only problem is, is that I see is I do I do feel like at the same time uh, that I like my the way I do it now. I like my philosophy, but. He's like, he's like, well, maybe, you know, like when, you know, so, you know, you know, like everything's on the line, you know, maybe your heart rates are going to be getting higher than it already might be. And I'm like, maybe so there's something to be said for it. So maybe, maybe there's at least maybe I should have both things in the bag. Right. All of a sudden, if movement isn't, if time isn't of the essence, maybe I can figure that out. Well, I think there is a time to use it, you know, uh, 10 position, 10 shot stage is definitely a time to do it the way you do it but yeah oh yeah and but you know i've seen just finish the stage with 40 seconds on the clock too where yeah uh, but you still clean the stage but i yeah i generally don't do that a lot of times i try to balance the time well and i mean jake and john both went through it smooth a lot slower than you go i think but they they both made it through it but they were fast still faster than me so that right. kind of, yeah, that speaks to how much time I spend on the trigger. Yeah. Because uh, I only, I had, I had five seconds left. John had 20. Did he really? Yeah. He finished it in like 90 something seconds. I finished it at 114. So, 
that, you know, I definitely used all of my time. But between positions, I was rolling. Yeah. His legs are twice as long as yours. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, anyways, but that's something that I'm going to take. I'm not, I'm not above, I mean, the criticism. Like, that's, to me, I mean, I respect Jake. Jake's a great sh- um, shooter. Yeah, I mean, he's, the, he's won more matches than any other shooter alive, right? I mean, I'm hoping to change that one day, but but uh, he still has one more matches than anybody alive, and that and and he's a heck of a shooter. And catching him is a tall order. I mean, he's won so many matches. He's won 33 matches. I mean, that's is that how many he's won. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a good guy too. Yeah, right? he's a great guy. So and but I mean, people. he's very. Uh, but I respect him, and I and I uh, value his feedback. I like shooting with him. I like shooting with good shooters that can then give me that feedback too. So, I that's something I'm going to take, and uh, and and try to add that to my arsenal. So, but like I say, in order to be able to get better, in order to improve, you need to identify holes in your game, and when people do, don't ball up and get defensive. Uh, figure out how how that might work in your system. Like I talked about, there's there's really four ways you can handle advice. If you go back to my old podcast, I spend like you know, 30 minutes explaining how, how there's four different ways to take advice. You can either you can either say it's irrelevant to you, <coughs> say that it's BS, say there's no way it's a I, it's a it's a uh, it's an ideal that's unattainable. Or you can sit, or you can just not understand it and write it off because you have no idea what you just heard. So, and then the fourth way, or the last way that you can handle something is to take it, figure out how that works in your system, and filter it. Figure out if that's either good or bad by trying to incorporate that in. So, uh, I want to be that guy that takes that advice. And is smart enough to go home and and to try it out for myself. So, anyways, we get we've kept you guys for about two hours now, I think. So, uh, it's time for gas and a bathroom break. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, riding in the truck with us for a couple hours, and hopefully, uh, you get something from this episode. But like I say, keep the questions coming, and I uh, appreciate you guys um, listening. I appreciate all the feedback heard from a lot of you guys. Uh, at the match this weekend that you guys uh, like it and we'll try to keep the, the information flowing and uh, for anybody you guys are there uh, it was a fun match and it was it was uh, it was fun to shoot shoot with the fun group of guys so well, I, I would like to just put a plug in for the ROs up there in the northwest yeah uh, awesome. I don't think there's any better yeah, <laughs> it really is they are great <laughs> like good bunch of guys up there that uh, help out of matches up there they they actually had spotters and yep. uh, yeah they actually had spotters you know, yeah. somebody <laughs> run a tablet and, and they done a great job it was they uh, really did it was very refreshing so yeah i always that is something that is one of those things that kind of goes unnoticed and that is true those are some of the best ROs in the country yeah like like it just is what it is they're great Great guys, great ROs, great people, and thanks for Sean putting on the match. That was, yep. he, he did yep. a good job. Thanks for I can't remember the family's name, 
but they were a great group of people. Uh, um, shook the old boy's hand, owns the place. Um, he's a great, great guy. He, um, seemed like a real good guy. He seemed like somebody I'd get along with. Some seemed like my grandpa, you know, just an old farmer. Uh, felt like I'd be at home on that place. So it was kind of cool, uh, meeting him and, uh, yeah. So anyways, thanks for listening. Um, you can, um, hit any of us up on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, it's Brady Allenson uh, um, on Facebook or Instagram. Paul Higley on mainly Facebook, uh, but sometimes Instagram. And then, <laughs> and Morgan King, we almost hit something on the freeway right there. That's usually right in the middle of the road. Yeah. Holy oh, crap. I don't know what it was either. It looked like a freaking hood of a car. <laughs> but... Yeah, anyways, thanks for uh, listening. Uh, We'll talk at you guys later. Bye now.